0: God is so good. Welcome to Faith Promise. We are thrilled uh, to be with you. We've been praying for you literally all week. We just we pray for you. We're so excited to be with you. We're, we're just looking forward to being together.
1: We are welcome to all of our campuses across the state of Tennessee, God behind bars, and online. And if you happen to be online, throw in the chat who you think is gonna win the Super Bowl. I think it'll be who? Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. Yes. I was good. Get- <laughs> red lipstick
1: has never looked so good, so you're welcome. And the,
0: the, the, the Super Bowl this year has more for people than ever. It's uh, got. sure. It has yeah, yeah, football, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? I don't know the if you know this. Self is like the thriving. Chiefs do play football, right? Uh, but then also, if you want to look at Taylor Swift up there more than you should in her red lipstick, that'll be on to today. There she is, okay? okay. Oh my gosh. That's, <laughs> uh, that's
1: awesome. They don't
0: tell us what's going to be up there. Okay, so hey. We want to start with something really exciting that we're doing just to help serve and equip you the absolute best we can. This year we've added to our year conferences specifically to serve you in being all that God has called you to be right where you are, whatever stage in life that you're at. And our first conference this year is going to be our marriage conference. And can I just take a second and tell you why you just cannot miss this. Why this is such a big deal. You cannot miss the marriage conference. And that's because marriage is a gift. It's a gift from God that the world has tried to hijack like so many other gifts. Like children or, or sex or unity. Or These are things the enemy has tried to take. And we are passionate I'm telling you, we are passionate about you getting all of you, all that you can out of this gift from God called marriage. We didn't think of marriage, right? It's not a social construct, it is a gift from the Lord. And your marriage is meant to be a place of purpose and power, not pain. So please, I know it's gonna take some of your time a Friday night and part of the day on Saturday, but we know we don't believe we know that your marriage is worth investing in. So please take some time and join us.
1: So today we're just gonna start taking a step together. And if you would pull out your phone, scan the QR code that's gonna come up on the screen. To make sure that we're serving you right where you are. No matter where your marriage or relationship is. we love for you to take this survey. It's going to help us make sure we're pressing into the teachings of Jesus. that are going to equip you the best right now. So yeah. we're going to have you, whether you're married, you're engaged, you've been dating for five years. And you know you're supposed to get married. Like wherever you're at, go ahead and take the survey. And we're going to do a drawing of two names at random. We're going to a $100 date night and admission to the marriage conference. So you're automatically entered to win by completing the
0: survey. So please, please, please take time right now. Do the survey. It's going to make sure that we talk about the right things. Do not miss the marriage conference. Again, if you're happily married, if you're newly married or you've been married, you have a blended family, you're engaged. If you're fighting for your marriage, do not miss it. So while you're taking that survey, we're going to take a moment and pray because God has something so powerful for us today. Babe, would you pray for us? Sure.
1: God, we're so grateful that you are who you say you are, that you are the king of kings, that you're the Lord of lords, and we are not. So we just want to posture ourselves, position ourselves before you, Lord. We want to humble our hearts. We want to hear from you today, God. So we give you our attention, we give you our affection, and we ask, God, that you would transform us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen, amen. We're in a series right now about the loot of our lives. And last week we pressed into some really challenging, hard questions. We asked, what is our life's loot? What are we trying to store up? What matters most to us? Another question we asked, not just about this moment, but the future, Are we storing up loot that lasts? Is that what we're focused on? Is that what we're pushing towards? And I have to say, and and listen, we don't always do this when we're talking about money or loot in the church, but we should. What gets rewarded gets repeated. So many people stepped up into action in their faith, in their finances. Can we take a second and celebrate God and the people who are faithful? (laughs) Way to go. We're so proud of you. Come on. There's more to come.
1: Yes, and we really do. We want to keep pressing in to the loot of our lives. We want to be sure that we have the right foundation and fundamental habits to store up loot that lasts. We don't want to forget that people and circumstances and even the enemy are after the loot of our lives. And there's nothing like going after a loot like the great Canadian maple syrup heist. In July of 2012, an inspector went to look at the Quebec maple syrup producers' uh, strategic reserve. When he got there, he was climbing up over some barrels, and he noticed one of the barrels whoop falls over. Super weird. Barrels weigh like 600 pounds. They shouldn't just mm, fall over. So he opens them up. Finds out not only are some of them empty, but some of them are filled with water. Now in Quebec, where the amber-colored sap flows like liquid gold, a group of thieves had infiltrated the heavily guarded facility. And over the course of several months, they secretly drained 3,000 tons of maple syrup. It's $20 million worth of syrup. Where are they selling that,
0: by the way? (laughs) I don't know. Number one. And two... We can barely have our kids eat maple syrup without having to throw the table away. I don't even know how they would do that. Right? But while the great Canadian maple syrup heist is still one of the wildest and largest loots in history, it literally is nothing compared to how much robbery is happening right under the noses of each and every one of us in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools. This is called a, a spile, I believe, if I'm saying that right. And, and they, they use it, they, they tap into trees with it to get that sap out so that they can make the syrup. And I really do believe that our souls are being siphoned right under our noses. And so we're going to look at a passage that we actually looked at last week. But it's just, it's that good. And what we want to do is we want to, we want to siphon out all the spiritual loot that this passage has for us. Again, Paul is writing to Timothy, a, a young man that he's mentoring. And he's telling him about a bunch of stuff. But he talks to him about something that's so important for us today. Now this is in 1 Timothy. Chapter 6, starting in verse 6, and this is so different than how the culture portrays life and success today. In verse 6 it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. That's true. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that.
1: So let's stop for a second and take inventory of our life right now. Are you walking in great gain, like the scripture says? Or do you feel emptier than you thought you would feel at this point in your life? Here's the sticky truth if you're feeling empty. Contentment is being drained from your life yeah. every day. Yeah. And if we're not careful, we're going to lose so much more than $20 million worth of maple syrup.
0: Yeah, but, but let's just take them. Let's not just skip past that. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that there is a loot in life more important than money? Now I know it's easy to say it with our lips, but what about our lives? So Rachel, I I want you to keep reading in 1 Timothy 6 about Paul's warning to Timothy and to us.
1: Okay. So those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith Mm. and pierced themselves with many griefs. What about you? Are you content? Are you experiencing the fullness of life? Mm.
0: Or are we still up here trying to crack the code of contentment? With whatever loot the world is offering us on the news and social media in our friend groups... We know from our lives, from watching our parents' lives, and from God's word, listen, if we will tap into the right source, the sap will sustain a loot that will last for eternity. Not for a season, not for a moment, not for a yo-yo of contentment, but it will last for an eternity.
1: Pursuit of the wrong loot will leave you with many griefs. Yeah. That's what the scripture tells us. And we know that it can be awkward to talk about money. People <laughs> get funny when you talk about money. But this isn't just a challenge here in church. This is an issue that people everywhere are having. And we want to show you some statistics to help you see how much money has a hold of us. Yeah. While 66% of Americans believe more conversations about money would lead us into financial freedom, over 6 in 10 Americans don't like to talk about money at all. Mm. 63% of us do not talk about money with our family. 75% of us don't talk about it with our friends. Mm. 46% of us don't even talk about money with our spouse. Wow. This is the problem. Yeah. More of us would rather discuss politics and death.
0: Gross. Both topics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Um, than we would our finances, and this is crazy. In 2022, more Americans searched on Google how to be rich than they did how to be smart.
0: I believe it's showing. I believe it's showing. Rachel told me I wasn't allowed to say that joke, and I said, "Baby, it's not a joke." Okay. Listen, Jesus knew that this would be a hard topic for us. But guys, listen, whenever you feel that kind of tension inside you, listen, this may feel over-spiritual, that's the enemy. He does not want us having a candid conversation about money, about sex, about communication, about relationships, because he's trying to keep you from something that God has for you. Jesus knew that this would be a hard topic for us, but luckily for us, Jesus loves us too much to let the devil siphon off our contentment and confuse the loot of our lives. So we're going to go to God's word to see what he has to say about this. But before we look at a very specific teaching from Jesus, let us tell you about a story from the Old Testament. See, when God's people in Exodus, when God's people were going into the land that God has promised, they faced opposition, their first big opposition. Just a side note so that you can see yourself in Old Testament passages, it talks about God's people. And today, now, if you're a Christian, if you've accepted Jesus, you are one of God's People and they're heading to a promised land. Listen, God has promises for you, for me, for the people that we love. But just because they're promises of God doesn't meet that doesn't mean we won't face opposition, just like God's people did, we are to learn from these situations.
1: So the first opposition that we see the Israelites come up against is the city called Jericho. Now it was a massive city, fortified with walls, great defenses, and we don't have time to spill the tea on all the details. All Sp- right,
0: spill the tea means like juicy deets or gossip. I just want to make sure that everybody's on the same 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 page. So
1: go to Joshua six in your quiet time this week. That's where we're, gonna, we're taking this this text from is Joshua six and seven. I think you're going to be really encouraged. But at the end, God's people are faithful. They do exactly what He tells them to do, and ta-da, victorious! It's wonderful. They win this huge battle, and. God tells the people to be faithful in this, to leave the loot from the city to him.
0: So this is big. Their first victory, their first victory, God says, leave the loot. Now this is why I love this moment. You know how like whenever you hear like a teaching or a fact, for me, it really comes alive to me when I see a picture or a story about it. Well, this, what we see in Jericho is a great picture of a principle that we see from the beginning to the end of God's word. Now, we call it tithing or or giving the first 10% of what we get from God to God.
1: I think a lot of us have this question, and so I'm just going to ask you. Hey, if God is God and he doesn't need anything from me, he's totally self-sufficient, why does he need my money and why does he want the first part of it? Can't I just catch up on the back end? So it's a
0: great question. God, why, God doesn't need our money. Why does he want our money and why does he want the first? Listen, God doesn't need our money, but we need God. So God doesn't need our money, but us giving the first to God shows him and reminds us that we need him most. That's why he gets first. So just a reminder, this is big for us. God doesn't need our money, but we need God. So tithing makes that a tangible truth, a tangible reality in our lives. Every time we get paid for us, every two weeks, it's a reminder. Listen, we we have stuff we could do with that money, stuff we'd like to do, but there's nothing in our life more important than God, so he gets the first.
1: So, if you continue on in Joshua in chapter seven, we see that one of God's people were disobedient in leaving the loot to the Lord. He said to set these things apart for him. His name was Achan. Achan took what God told him not to. This is important. When we take things that God has asked us not to, the Bible calls that theft. Hmm. Achan was looting. What was the Lord's, mm. and it led him and his family to terrible end, and it caused damage to God's people around them.
0: That's right. So, what about us? Not what about you in your seat? I wonder if, since we haven't asked ourselves this question, if we find ourselves looting what is the Lord's in our life. Now, this is crazy, and we actually never even recognized this till we were studying for this week, but. A few thousand years later, Jesus himself is traveling through Jericho, that same place where God's people just had victory. Jesus is traveling through Jericho doing ministry, healing, teaching, talking about the kingdom of heaven, right, how we're supposed to live. And so, Rach, will you read in Luke 19 what we see Jesus do when he's in Jericho? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. We learn a couple things about Zacchaeus here. First, he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Right? He was short? Move on. Zacchaeus, right? All right. And then we learned two other things. This was really important that the word wanted us to know. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he was wealthy.
0: Now, we're going to talk about that whole weed little man thing at the marriage conference, is where we'll discuss that more, okay? So just join us for that. But um, the Israelites, just, just to help you further understand, the Israelites did not like tax collectors in general. Because they were enslaved really by the Romans. And the Romans were making them pay taxes. And honestly, who likes to pay taxes anyway? So you have that. They're enslaved. They're having to pay taxes. But Zacchaeus is a Jew. So he's a Jewish person representing the Romans and taking the Roman tax from his people. So I say that because Jesus talking to Zacchaeus would have been a tense situation. The people around would not have liked Jesus and Zacchaeus talking.
1: But before we judge the Jewish people, let's ask this of ourselves. Hey, does the wealth of others tap into envy and discontentment in your heart? Zacchaeus was a thief, he was just like Achan, but it's massive for us to see how Jesus responds to Zacchaeus and what happens to Zacchaeus when he gets in the presence of the Lord. I want us to watch carefully because you might feel like the Lord's mad at you or that he's judging you because you don't tithe. Or maybe because you've made money, the loot of your life, instead of loving God and loving people. Hey, maybe you are stealing. And the things that you have aren't from righteous ways. I want us to look at how Jesus responds to
0: Zacchaeus. So let's keep on reading in Luke 19. It says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay. He's immediately, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, mutter, "He's went to be the guest of a sinner." This looks so much like our culture today, doesn't it? People started tweeting and they started posting. They got their video cameras out. I can't believe that he's going to be the guest of a sinner. Hashtag dirtbag. Hashtag hypocrite. Whatever, whatever it might have been, right? But see, money had crept in and became a major loot. In the lives of the people who were supposed to be God's people. But let's look at how Jesus responds. Because Jesus, in his heart, in his life, in his actions, Jesus shows people are the mission. Not money. But is that true for our life? We would have to take a moment and check the loot of our lives to see if that's what's most important.
1: Maybe. You're not sure that God can bring you freedom and contentment to your heart or the hearts Mm. of others. And I want us to look at what happens to Zacchaeus' heart after being with Jesus. It says, but Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give you half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. When Zacchaeus meets with Jesus. It impacts the loot of his life. He becomes content, generous, and that can be true for us too.
0: Absolutely. No matter where we are, no matter where we find ourselves, that can be true for us. Let's just ask the question. Let's just ask it. Do we love God more than we love money? Is there proof in our life? What would your spouse say? What would your kids say? Students, what would your friends say? What would your parents say? Young adults, what would your time say? What would your priority say? Do we love God more than we love money? Not only that, do we love people more than we love money? And can we prove it? Does our life bear out the priority of loving people? Let's just make it so simple today. Does the loot of our life reflect Our love for God and people being the priority.
1: What would it look like for the loot of our lives to reflect loving God and people the most? Mm. It would mean that God's church and God's people would be a focus of our finances. Generosity and contentment would mark us. And if this isn't where you find yourself, I don't want you to feel any shame. God's word tells us there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I want you to remember how Jesus treated Zacchaeus. Even when he was looting others for earthly gain. Jesus has love and grace, not just for Zacchaeus, but for us because Jesus knows the loot of our lives is not a money issue. It's a heart issue. And he offers us transformation today.
0: That's right. And actually, remember, every week, we've added this in. Every week, we're going to tell a life change story. Somebody out there winning their world to inspire you to take action and to be faithful because God's going to do the supernatural with it. And last week, there was a man at Anderson who stepped in into faithfulness with the loot of his life. And it really impacted me when I heard about his generosity. And so I just called Anthony out there and I said, hey man, will you talk to Chip and ask him why why did he step forward like that? Why was he so faithful? And this is what Chip had to say from our Anderson campus. He said, I came to Faith Promise Church broken and hungover and wanted to end my life on Easter Sunday in 2023. I left that day thirsty for more of God and not thirsty for more alcohol. I came to church that day in greasy overalls, and one of the first people to give me a hug was Pastor Anthony. I wasn't judged by my appearance, but I was accepted. A few Sundays after that, I was baptized at Faith Promise. I was so fired up and wanted more of God that I started attending every week. And then I started inviting everyone I knew. There was one Sunday that I had 12 of my friends and family come with me, and we took up an entire row. Isn't that amazing? There's hardly a week that goes by that I don't have someone new with me because I constantly share with people how God used faith promise to save my life. I want, I want every. I want everyone to experience what I've experienced. I continue each day to share Jesus with others and to win my world. Amen, I can we give God some praise? Did you hear any financial statements in there? Did you hear any? Well, I think if I give, then God will give it back to me. Did you He said it's a hard issue. It's not a money issue. He said, my life has been so radically changed. And now I know that there's a heaven and a hell, and I want to invest in heaven. And so he, what, he is faithful. I know the enemy wants to rob us from us. The enemy wants to distract us. But we need more time where we stop. That's why this week when we've made room, and Rachel's going to talk about that here in a second. But we need to come. Because did you notice in Zacchaeus that Jesus didn't teach Zacchaeus a sermon. He just got in Jesus' presence and said, oh, God, I got to be different. And I just pray that that would be us today.
1: So we've made room. We made room for you to connect with God right now. Mm -hmm. And look at the loot of your life. You know, Jesus came and he met with Zacchaeus. And he can meet with you too. He has enough grace, enough mercy, enough forgiveness, enough transformation. And right now, we're gonna start together as a body of believers, theoretically the hands and feet of Jesus Christ who have been called by God to take the gospel to the ends of the world, but we have to be obedient first. And there are some things in our life where God and people have not been more important. Our stuff, our home, our car—you know—it's really noticeable when someone comes. to you have kids in your home? or kids welcome in your home? Can they break stuff? Mm-hmm. Are you a safe? Are you a place where it's safe to be, or are you? Are we greedy? So we're, we're going to take a moment together and just publicly confess. We want to be the people who love God and others most, yeah, more than our stuff. So if you say, "Hey, that's me," I want to live a life that honors God above all, loves God most, and loves people. Would you just stand up? If you say, hey, that's me. I'm just going to live a life like that. I'm committing to the Lord today. I'm going to walk in obedience. If that's you, would you just put your hands out? I just want to pray for you. God, we just come before you a people who long to see you move. And we are not intellectually unable. God, many of us know what we need to do, but we have just we have had such a hard time with a spirit of obedience. So Holy Spirit, we ask for humility right now. And I ask first and foremost, Lord, that we would have a fresh feeling, that we would walk in obedience, that our lives would sing out that we love you the most and that we love people. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. So hey, right now, uh, at all of our campuses, there's gonna be prayer team members up front and along the sides of the crosses, and hey, I believe that we all have some action to take. Maybe you need to come up and ask for prayer. You're not sure how to make that way forward. Maybe you need to come forward and pray for somebody in your life. Maybe spout husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends. You need to grab each other's hands and say, hey, let's pray right now. And whatever the change the Holy Spirit tells us to make, whatever you say, we will obey. We've made time in service right now to respond to whatever God has called us to do. And listen, if we can't respond here, Will we be able to respond anywhere? So Holy Spirit, whatever you have to say today, we will obey. As we worship, let's pray for a transformation in obedience. Let's worship God with all we have right now.